Moncrief on News Talk. Now, if you want to still be of some use to the world after you die, something to consider might be to donate your body to science. There are many institutions happy to take your remains. Among them, Trinity College in Dublin. Philomena McAteer is Chief Technical Officer of Anatomy there. Philomena, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Sean. Nice to speak to you. So if, if someone's thinking of doing this, Philomena, what's the first step? Okay, the first step is they contact the medical school that's closest to them or to their home address. Uh, like you're phoning me today, for instance, so you're a donor, you want to be a donor, so you contact Trinity and I send out the registration form and an information booklet. If you're living down in, in uh, Galway or in the east of the country, you would, uh, sorry, in the, in the west, you'd contact uh, Galway University or down south, you'd contact uh, UCC. In Dublin, we have three uh, colleges, RCSI, UCD and Trinity. And uh, so the, the college then will send out an information pack to the person. They then sign that form and return it to the medical school and the person is registered as a donor. And we ask people to really share this information with their family and tell them this is what you'd like to do and that you've registered with the local college. Right. And and so from your point of view, do you you just need the permission from the person? But would it be helpful, given in the event of their death, that suddenly this you've done what kind of reaction from yes. family members? Oh, yeah. First of all, it has to be primary consent. So I can't donate my husband, for instance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it has to be primary consent. So I, Philomena, do hereby donate my body for medical science and research. I have my next of kin, or executor witness that form, and then it's returned. But if I don't inform my family, they can be caught off guard and it can be upsetting not following the normal uh, funeral procedures, you know. Mm. And, and so if, we ask if people that, to share. Yeah, if that ever happens, can the, the family then say, no, we don't want this yes, proceeding? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can happen, for instance, if somebody dies, they're registered, but the family are not comfortable, they don't even con- they don't contact us at all. We wouldn't know that somebody had died. Right, okay, yes. Unless so, we're notified, you know. Yes, yeah, so, oh yeah, so who's it up to to notify you, the family then? Well, again, it would be the family or the, the family, the, the donor might say to their doctor to notify the person, uh, um, to notify the college. So at that stage, if we're notified of a death, we, the first thing we do is check, are they registered? And if they're not registered, they can't come in. You have to have signed the consent form. Yes. Uh, if you are registered, then we check with the doctor in charge um, to know if the donor is suitable at the time of death, because circumstances around the death may make the donor unsuitable. For example, they may have had recent surgery. Um, they may have had a you know, a fall, an accident, trauma, uh, notifiable diseases. For instance, during the pandemic, we couldn't receive any donors. Mm. Uh, And that can be difficult as well. But but if we cannot receive the donor, the family proceed with a normal funeral. And that's why, again, it's important the family are aware of this choice or this decision that you're making, you know. And and why would recent surgery, for instance, you can see why if they've had an infection of some sort, but why would recent surgery rule a person out? Well, recent surgery would mean that there's an open wound there. And when we we have to preserve the body for teaching purposes, it takes, we hold the remains after embalming for up to two years, Uh two to three years in some instances. But it means that you can't really preserve a body well if there's an open wound. And it usually takes six to eight weeks for a wound to fully heal. 
Okay, and for, for people who, you know, would be in the full of their health now, are, are there any pre-existing conditions or anything of that nature that might preclude them from donating their body? No, they, people can register to donate. Uh, we always encourage people to uh, hold an organ donor card, for instance. Um, that takes priority over regi- over whole body donation because it's life-sustaining. Mm. But um, if they register with us, it's really at the time of death that we then have to find out, you know, if, they, if they've got any infectious diseases at the time of death. If there's going to be a post-mortem, for instance, we can't receive the body. Uh, during the pandemic, we couldn't receive anybody for over a year. Um, yes, for so, pretty pretty obvious reasons. Uh, for obvious I mean, reasons. And yeah. that took us all by surprise, I think. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the main benefits, I suppose, of the... the Body donation is, it's a bit like, organ donation is life-sustaining, but body donation is teaching the next generation of doctors, medicine, uh, radiation therapy, dentistry, physiotherapy, sports medicine, neurosciences, occupational therapy, clinical speech, human health and diseases. All of these different groups study anatomy. So when we go to the dentist, that dentist has been trained in the anatomy department by the silent teacher, which we call the, the donor, we call the donor the silent teacher, mm. and also the first patient that people meet. Yeah, and, and when, stu- students when, when students uh, um, uh, meet the corpse, the corpse, as I understand yeah. it, the, it, you're not calling it corpse A, you're, you're, you're no, giving we it a name. We, we, yes, we, we call the donor by their first name in Trinity, and that's because we try to humanize the, the whole embalming process takes away all the color and, the, you know, the hair is removed and uh, the body has to be dissected and look, they're looking at the, the abdomen, the pelvis, the thorax, the limbs. So they're looking inside, they're lifting the bonnet of the car, if you like, and they're mm. looking inside the body and examining everything. So in order to, Humanize, rehumanized anatomical body. We refer to the donor by their first name, and uh, this means that fam- family are happy with this, students are happier with it, and it kind of rehumanizes the donor in the dissection room. We also have an orientation program for the students uh, at the beginning of their year to introduce them to the donor, and that's an important step for them to, you know, the students are young; they're dealing with death for the first time. And uh, walking in, seeing 12 donors laid out in the dissection room is quite an unusual experience. But the students are always extremely respectful and there's always dignity and respect in the presence of the death and the presence of so many dead donors. Uh, One of our listeners, Philomena, wants to know, uh, do you take obese bodies? Is that a factor one way or the other? Well, it's actually very difficult um, to take somebody that's very large or heavy because for practical reasons we can't uh, the young students are trying to move the body look at the front and look at the back mm. and it's very difficult to do that so you know we we really find we don't have facilities like hoists in the dissection room for so we've uh, 700 students using the donors every week and um, it's always a practical reason if the body is too uh, thin or too heavy um, we can't use the, we can't use them, and, and after all, you want to be useful uh, in the dissection room. But it's important to know if we can't receive the donor at the time of death, we still consider them one of our donors, and we put their name into the book of remembrance, and we invite the family to the next act of remembrance because we like to honour their intention to donate, just as we would honour if they came in. Yes, indeed, and so and and there's a little room where people can go and. Yes, we're we're very lucky in Trinity. We have a relatives remembrance room, 
and it's a place for family to gather either at the time of death or maybe the month mind or at Christmas or anniversaries and we find this room is used an awful lot it's just it's kind of a, a support for families to be able to gather there talk about their loved one and it gives us a, a lot of insight into the life of the donor uh, you know who, who've come to us um, for instance we have people ranging in age from we'll say I, I'm here over myself and Siobhan Ward my colleague here have, have worked in anatomy for over 40 years and um, we've had the youngest donor was 35 and the eldest donor the oldest donor we've had was uh, 104 Crikey so families like to gather and they like to tell about you know the history and it's, it's really interesting to hear their stories and then the students like to hear the stories of how the person came to be here. Uh, this person was very muscular, strong looking limbs and so on or this person was uh, survived surgery uh, for years and years and still managed to live till they were 99 or something, you know. But I would imagine people who have... Uh, who lived to a grand old age or perhaps had some sort of rare condition would be of particular interest for the students? Well, yes, the students are always interested in, you know, seeing a pacemaker or some kind of uh, hip replacement or surgery. They can see scars. The body tells the whole story um, of their long uh, life and how they've survived into ripe old age. The majority of our donors are in their late 90s. and it's, it is encouraging for students to they get very attached to their donor. Uh, they see them as their first patient and they treat the donor with great dignity and respect. And then when they leave the dissection room after the second year in anatomy, they go on to um, hospitals, clinics, etc. Mm. And then you and me will meet them as young students uh, now looking at the living um, patient. And uh, they have to look back to their anatomy, remember what they learned, what, what they're looking out for, and then they can... Um, in the hospitals, they learn all the pathologies, etc. at that stage. Yeah. So generally speaking, how long would you have the body for, you know, and when's it handed back to the family? We have the body generally for two to three years. We, we try to have the remains for less than three years if possible. And we have an inspector of anatomy who visits every two years. We also have the Act of Remembrance and Thanksgiving, which is every two years as well. Um, at the time of burial, when we're finished working with the donor in the dissection room from September through to May, we have the exams and then we have the funeral. And at that stage, uh, we contact the family, we contact our undertaker, Corrigan and Sons, and we make arrangements for a, a date that suits the family to have either a cremation or a burial. And usually that's in Glasnevin, in the medical plot in Glasnevin. Right. That's shared yeah. with RCSI and UCD. Yeah. And and you pay for the funeral then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The college pays for the funeral and for the uh, for the coffin. Now, if a family decide, you no, know, we'd really like to bring um, our loved one to Dean's Grange or wherever else they're going, um, then that's a private arrangement, and the mm. family would pay for that. Yeah, I see. Generally speaking, though, Philomena, I mean, the the the, uh, the figures that were released said that the medical from the medical council say 107 bodies were left to science uh, last year. Are are you getting enough bodies? Would you prefer to get a a few more? No, at the moment we're just receiving 
we'll say we have 15 donors per year. That would be enough for Trinity. Every college has different requir- requirements depending on the students and the, you know the space they have and if they're doing special research or whatever. But we, we are happy with the 15 donors per year. So in fact, there's a lot of interest. I might get maybe 100 or so people applying, but they may not. They may not actually. They, a lot of people ask for information, but they don't return the forms necessarily. They might just read the information, say I'll leave that and do that later on. But we do, we have enough people registering with us. We're lucky like that. Okay, that's good to know. And and j- j- just uh, a question on what the, the students do: nursing students get get access to the bodies as well? No, no, the nursing students uh, don't because there's so many in the nursing uh, group. We did have, at one stage we had nursing students, but there was such a large group um, we weren't able to facilitate them but we have medical students radiotherapy students dentistry physiotherapy occupational therapy sports medicine neurosciences human health and diseases and also clinical speech so any of those different uh, therapies and medicine will will learn their anatomy from using the the remains here now the nursing staff would see um, their anatomy the models and the all of that kind of thing in in the hospitals they'd be studying using models and um, but they don't have access to the human remains that we have here right okay and the, so so presumably I, people are signing up a, a long time in advance so do you kind of know from year to year in next year or in perhaps even in 10 years time how many bodies you might be getting well we we, we can never really guess we have a lot of people registering but we don't know when they're going to die <laughs> <You've heard of laughs> well, that's true so, yeah, so thanks for, for pointing out years. the stupidity of that question <laughs> We can't do, you know, myself and Siobhan are not like Burke and Hare, really. Yeah. We can't go out and just take them in as we need them. <laughs> but, That's true, um, yeah. You know you have a list of people, but they, yeah, like buses, they can yeah. all come at the same time. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. And, and you have to be aware of that. So if too many people died at one time, we could have a capacity issue. And the more people that register, the more chances are that we might be at capacity at the time of death. Um, but the Act of Remembrance and Thanksgiving is a, is a lovely um, remembrance and uh, service that's held in the front in the college uh, chapel and the uh, chapel choir sing at that and we meet the families at that, the, the chaplaincy and the staff and students and it's an interfaith service. We have Christian prayers, we have Muslim tradition, you know, the Hindu tradition um, depending on what, what students are in, where they come from and they come from across the globe here uh, to Trinity uh, so they would read from their own traditions. And it's important, you know, to mm. realise that it means so much that they say th- thank you to the families and to the donor. And it's really a beautiful uh, remembrance. And each family see it as especially for their own person, you know. Yeah. And also the remembrance room in Trinity, the families bring in a photograph and leave the photo of their loved one on the shelf there. And that, that means a lot to them. So even if they don't get an opportunity of, of, of coming in here, they can come in afterwards and put the photograph up on the shelf and say, I've put my mum up there now. I've done the best I can, but due to circumstances at, at the time of death, the person wasn't received, but yes. the photograph goes in there and that means so much to families. Yeah, and someone's texted in to say, my partner passed last year, got his wish to be a donor and the care and dignity offered by the staff with Philomena is amazing and quite beautiful. So uh, oh, keep up the good, good work. That's good to hear. Philomena, Are thanks a million good? for uh, talking it's to us. It's lovely talking to you. That, uh, that was Philomena, Philomena McAteer there, Chief Technical Officer of Anatomy at uh, Trinity College, uh, Dublin. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.